Geek History and Time. <laughs> I'm Ed Blaylock, uh, a history teacher in Northern California. I'm not going to tell you where because I ain't got no business. Uh, and a father of a 14-month-old uh, son who I am training to become a master swordsman, the likes of which the world has never seen, given the opportunity. Uh, and I've been a nerd since roughly the sixth grade when my father gave me a copy of Have Spacesuit Will Travel by Robert Heinlein, my first formal introduction to real science fiction. How about you? I'm Damien Harmony. I have trouble speaking words in sequence, apparently, including the this title evening. of our show. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I am a Latin teacher, formerly a history teacher at a local high school up here in Sacramento. Uh, I have been a geek most of my life. I am now transferring said geekdom to my children. You see right there to your, uh, let's see, that's my left, your right. Mm -hmm. Those are scrolls that I whipped up for my daughter for our D&D &D game because she leveled up in the middle of a dungeon and I couldn't figure out a better way to get her spells as a wizard. Nice. My son, on the other hand, is a sorcerer, so he had no problem getting new spells, and oh my gosh, he loves a casting. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah being, a, being a sorcerer is the way to do that. Yeah. Nice. And this is this is doggerel. You've actually written doggerel <laughs> in Draconic. All right, nice. Yeah. Well done, sir. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Uh, to my right, to your left, we have a guest uh, this week. Uh, what's your name, sir? My name is Derek Lipkin. I am a 32-year-old attorney living in San Francisco, California with my beautiful wife. I know she'll be listening. That's why I said that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So what, what are you doing hanging out with a couple of guys like us? I, well, being, I mean, we're teachers. You're like an attorney. You have a real job. I think it's because like, you society you woke up and you values. asked yourself, is this my beautiful house? <laughs> is this <laughs> my beautiful wife? <laughs> and then you came up here and you're like, this is not my beautiful <laughs> house. <laughs> These this are not my, my beautiful, beautiful wife. wife. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, okay. no, well, I, just to give you the genesis, uh, Damien and I did the Tough Mudder together. Okay. Uh, and we that was where we first met. I was there with my wife, and uh, we were happened going through the event, and Damien was there, and he was lovely, and we mm -hmm. joined up with his crew, mm -hmm. okay. went through all of the obstacles. He helped very significantly during the the carrying another human portion. Yes. Yeah. Well, was, you know, he has the shoulders. For yes. Him, so that's, that's a <laughs> have gut will travel. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So and actually, yeah, it's just by happenstance they were stretching near us. And, and, yeah. and asking, and one of them asked a question. I was like, oh, yeah, I've done this two or three times because I used to be fit. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was able to tell them, oh, the electricity is the, just keep your head away from the wires and you'll be fine. And they stuck with us the whole time. And, and nice. we've been yeah. friends ever since. Very cool. It's, yeah. a, it's been quite great. But, yeah, I, my, my geekdom, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, don't, uh, maybe, I don't know if you want to get into the semantics of geek versus nerd versus whatever. But sure. I, I've always placed myself, you know, within that sort of world. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly video games. That's mm -hmm. always been my entry mm -hmm. point. I was a big, I'm, okay. and to this day, very big Sonic the Hedgehog fan. All right. Uh, All right. I'm a Zelda guy. but <laughs> Yeah, very okay. good. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, it's those always... games are both too thinky for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <nah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, that has uh, definitely continued on very strongly. Very playing video games all the time, but then also other games, which we may discuss in a short amount of time. I don't know if I should Indeed. jump the gun on the on the subject matter. No, well, no, you have you <laughs> jump have, right into you, it. You've brought this gorgeous book with you. If yes. you could just read read the title. Yes, to us. the title is the Pinball Compendium, nineteen eighty two to present. By okay. Michael Shalhoub. Okay. And uh, it's of a lovely... the Shalhoub family. <laughs> the, yes, it's Tony, yes, his brother Tony has okay. uh, done quite okay. well for himself. Yes, right. <laughs> quite well known. Uh, but yeah, it is a, a 
whole set of essays and remembrances of pinball machines from that era. Oh, fantastic. And that cool. is a gift that I received because I am a pinhead. It is. <laughs> That's the name for it. It, it is. Okay. okay. You know, it's funny. There's there's a lot of consternation as to what to call the players in the pinball. I'm sure pinball players would suffice for some. But I like to put it a little. Like, I actually did, don't dislike the title of Pinball Wizard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pinball players who are not very... Really? With that. Okay. Well, so so now now you've you've gotten the, the you know, social social nerd in me. Uh, so that's that's of course tied to the Who and yes. Tommy the Rock Opera and all that. What is it? I mean, is 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 there a a common kind of reason for people to have an antipathy for being called a pinball wizard? I think it stems from that being the one of the very few touches of pinball that people have. Okay. And so if they, if you mention you play pinball and that is maybe the one contact that somebody else has, they're going to bring it up and then you'll have to and hear about you'll it. you'll have to, for the thousandth <laughs> time, and everybody thinks they're the first one to make exactly. that remark. Okay. Exactly. So I think, I think so, so it's an annoyance thing. Yes. Okay. And, 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 right. a, and a fatigue. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. So, you know, as, as a kilter. Yes, uh, yeah. You know, everybody, you know, the, the the remark almost inevitably gets made, you know, something about what have you got on underneath it. And, you know, a big, <laughs> a big part of, other than, you know, that's, by the way, that section. I like that you're bragging about it's a big part. Yeah, well, <laughs> well you know. Yeah. But, so, um, I guess you can prove that by going off the, kilter. You know. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, so yes. it begins yeah. already. Less than six minutes. Ladies in. and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but. Everybody wants to make that joke. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're the first one to make that joke. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of sense of humor that one has about that joke starts out, I mean, depending on whatever your baseline level of, you know, good sportsmanship <laughs> yes. would be, and it rapidly plummets. <laughs> so I, I totally get that. I think, I think yeah, know. it's a very similar camp, of, okay. uh, similar experience. All right. Yeah, <laughs> as a redhead, cool. I never have these problems. <laughs> no, no, never. Calling me after a root, uh, yeah. <laughs> thinking they get to use that word. That's our word. So, really? Yeah. Radish? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Rutabaga? Yeah. yeah. Really? Rhubarb. 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 Okay. Speaking there of go. Yeah. very big well, yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 He doesn't yeah. care at all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Two of you? <laughs> That's <laughs> just a, <laughs> just Just so you know uh, what you've walked into, Ed. Um, a few oh. weeks ago, I stayed the night at their place, and while they are not early risers, I am, and so I, I got out a, a little bit of um, paper and some tape, because I, I rooted around a little bit, and uh, I found uh, their spice rack, and I renamed all their spices <laughs> the dumbest goddamn names. Uh, what were... Let's see. One of my favorites was, I think there was some... Some spice, sort of like a specialty blend that yeah. something mural. Yeah. And so you taped over everything except for Ural. Uh-huh. And it, and you said, like, it, it's funny. It, it, I think it says Eastern Russian Mountains, a.k.a. Ural. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was great. This is great. Uh, His wife was depths, not happy. The depths you are willing to sink to. Yes. Yes. Wow. This one. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's... Uh, and then, like and then I was... Like sphere, and that, and that also, Damon was kind enough to invite me to be a guest on Capital Punishment, which I did mm-hmm. two weeks ago yeah. to the day. Uh, had a lovely time competing, and I, I held my own until you the did. end. I went to I went to an audience vote. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, that's that's impressive. This one just regularly hones. 
everything most definitely so you brought us a you book brought us this beautiful book I'm about sorry, yes. got completely yes. off the subject so pin pinheads is the preferred term yeah. <laughs> your preferred, preferred yes yes, your yes. Preferred, you yes. identify as a pinhead exactly yes. okay. so. um yeah no that and and i i always am sad that uh uh I can't even remember his name, but the guy who was the Fox News guy, O'Reilly. He, oh, he yeah, ruined yeah. that term for us. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. But I'm reclaiming see. it. I'm reclaiming it. Okay, good. well, good. Good, you do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just to tell you my history in pinball. So I actually, as a kid, I always played. I, I was a frequent visitor to arcades. Okay. Uh, I, my favorite as a kid was the Jurassic Park machine because there was a dinosaur on the play field that would actually lean down and eat the ball if you put it right in front of him. Oh, wow. Which I just thought was the greatest thing ever. And so That is pretty cool. <laughs> that is. And, I really, and I, I really did not pay attention to anything that was happening in the game. All I was trying to do was make Wind the dinosaur eat to get, the yeah. ball. I just thought that was the greatest thing. So it was always around. When I became an adult, it was always available in bars and whatnot. I would actually be... Uh, you know, maybe drop a dollar or two and play, but never with any any real cognizance of the gameplay or the rules or anything. When 2014 came around, I went to California Extreme. I don't know if you've ever been. It's in Santa Clara. I've it, heard of it. Yeah, I have. I have. I, I have a, a college roommate. Okay. Who who he and a, an old friend of his. That's like a pilgrimage they do every year. It is. It's a fantastic event. If you ever are interested in, and have the weekend to go visit, it is so much fun. It's. Uh, Three-day weekend mm-hmm. of video games, pinball, uh, other nerdery in general. Mm-hmm. A lot of artists who sell their wares there. And so I went. Uh, I'd heard about it for the first time back in 2014, and I decided to volunteer so I'd get a free ticket. And so I volunteered. They put me at the info desk, uh-huh. uh, just helping direct attendees. I was sat with another volunteer, and he was a pinball player and just started chatting me up about why I was there and do I play pinball. And then he started telling me about tournaments and leagues. And all of this was a revelation to me mm-hmm. because I hadn't given two thoughts to fin- pinball you know, since my dinosaur days. And so it was really interesting, intriguing. And I put myself on the wait list for the San Francisco Pinball Department, which I'm wearing my San Francisco nice. Pinball Department sweatshirt. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and I'm now in my ninth season in, in the San Francisco Pinball Department. It's great. I'm actually going to be one of the commissioners next year. Oh, wow. Uh, so I've become very in, involved in the pinball community. So wait, um, ninth season, but you started in 2014. Yes, yeah, so two seasons per year. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, and okay. so my first season was spring 2015, starting okay. in January 2015. Uh, from the first flip, I was hooked. It was just, I, it was it was like a light bulb went off and suddenly I was, I'd, I found my community my my hobby and Your it really tribe. Yeah, 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 and it really has stuck. I mean, in a way I've gone through I'm sure as many people have many different interests. So in high school I played a lot of poker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was an era of course never, <laughs> That's one see, I, I figured out uh, as an adult that um, if if I needed to spend that kind of money to get people to hang out with me, I needed to find different <laughs> That Smart. was my experience Smart. with poker was you know what, I don't have the patience to count no, I just you know what? I'll, I'll sit there and I'll watch everybody else play and sure, I'll sure. throw smack left and right as as an outside observer. Yeah, you know, have a beer or three. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. But but the moment you try to put cards in front of me, I'm like, uh, no, I I need my money. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have bills to pay. 
<laughs> poker poker was never yes yeah but that i think i went so before that uh i'm trying to think of what else i mean i had various phases of like then there was like music production and i got really into rapping mm. and really into beat making so like I've, I've had just these different things which are still in my life to some degree mm-hmm. but pinball has seriously taken a place that I think all of those maybe could have if it was maybe right to place, right time, but they just never took. It's this almost one, like you had like your first pet, like yeah. where like you didn't know you had that room in your heart, yeah, and suddenly it's there, and you couldn't imagine your heart not having it, yeah, yeah, and, and it's great. And so now there's you know it's quite a it's it's a growing community mm-hmm. nationwide and even worldwide. Um, lots of pinball players. I think it's really in a renaissance. So now mm-hmm. you're seeing it pop up again in a lot of bars. And as bars become barcades, mm-hmm. um, that is becoming a much more frequent site to see classic video games and pinball machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, also it's benefited from recent competition increase by oh, okay. two new companies entering the fray to make pinball machines a challenge the main manufacturer to improve there are. Oh, okay. So I've so, got questions about that that yeah. I want to circle back around okay. to why why the Renaissance is happening now and it's a Renaissance which means it had risen before and I'd like to hear yeah. when, now your book says eighty two to present. Yes. Tell me please that you're going back before oh, that. Yes. yes. Good. Good. <laughs> because <laughs> because I, I was I was ten years old and I had a kids encyclopedia and it had the history of benches. And it had uh, Ivan the Terrible. Okay. And it had Mah- uh, Mahmoud's, I think they're called. Mahouts. Okay. Mahouts. Uh, the people who are paired with an elephant. And oh, they yeah. Live okay. their whole life yeah. with them. Uh, turns out when you're five, you're paired with them. So I had already passed my prime. Ah. Uh, yet again. That must have been <laughs> was just, heartbreaking. It was awful. Like, I still like, to this day like... really wish I could have done that on, <laughs> on some levels. Like, I love my life. I love my home. I love my kids. But you could have had an elephant. I could have been with an elephant my whole life. life. <laughs> Dude. Carrying heavy shit for people with a bigger with friend. An elephant. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and then another, uh, it was a two pager. Yeah. Uh, was pinballs. Okay. So, well, not pinballs. Uh, yes. Pinball. Uh, and so I, I will have little bits m- from 10-year-old my, me's memory sure. uh, that I'll be able to like ask you questions about. But I'm, I'm very curious as to the history of pinball. Yeah. And, so. and most of everything I'm going to have to say is actually going to be filtered through my dad. Okay. Okay. Because when he was in college... One of his, he he blew, he, he can't even say anymore how much change he put oh, in, no. in the pinball machine that was down the street <laughs> at the service station down the street from his fraternity house. Uh, that was essentially what he and his friends went and did. Yes. Neat. Like when, when, when they didn't have anything they had to study for or when they didn't want to study. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So, yeah. But. Yeah. So where where do we begin? Okay, so I think uh, I, ma- I made myself a, a a little bit of a timeline that I think will will take us through the the, the major hits, some of the more interesting little nuances as well. Mm-hmm. I think really the place to start is the 18th century, and so we're gonna go. <laughs> wow. okay, we're gonna talk. On. We're gonna talk a little <laughs> bit about the pre pinball days okay. and sort of games that sort of paved the way for I guess. What you might loosely think of like as balls striking things, okay, uh, and okay. sort of made the way. And I think the, probably the one that is most directly linked, like without going too far back, sure, uh, something that still feels pinballish is a French game uh, called Bagatelle. And uh, Bagatelle is, uh, you may have seen these in your childhood or, or maybe even in, in, since you have children, but there's a sort of little, they're some, sometimes billed as pinball. It's like a, uh, a little 
field that has a bunch of pins sticking out and a plunger area where the, you shoot the ball up and it just cascades down. There's no flippers. There's no, you know, uh, like doing anything. It's, it's almost like pachinko. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. What yeah. 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 So actually, uh, Bagatelle Haponais. Uh, is the like sort of French? Uh, okay. They were they, okay. There was this sort of uh, at the same time, Japan and France sort of developing these games okay. of striking a ball, sending it into this area where it would cascade down. Uh, and so yeah, so that was a it became very popular early to mid 18th century. Okay. Um, and so that's and and Japanese billiards was really what sort of improved upon the bagatelle mm-hmm. of France um, with including the metal pins. And with the metal plunger, uh, so that's sort of the early days of where pinball kind of okay. starts. It. Of course, nobody's talking pinball yet. I think right. bagatelle or, or Japanese billiards is really the the, the term. But the probably the pivotal moment. Uh, it's 1871. Now, just real quick, oh, the yeah. bagatelle, is it a vertical field or is it a flat field or is it it's, raked? It is It is inclined. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's either completely vertical or, okay. or, or yeah, on an inclined. You because you need gravity to come it back. Exactly, okay. yeah. Gotcha. Uh, there's actually a great, if you ever get a chance to go mm-hmm. to Alameda, um, you can go to the Pacific Pinball Museum, uh, mm-hmm. which is a museum dedicated, a, a living museum, they like to call it, dedicated to pinball. Uh, they have many sort of science projects that they have for usually children, but anybody to learn. Sure. And it sort of shows you like the bagatelle. Um, oh, there's neat. like a giant bagatelle you can play and actually move the parts around. It's like magnetic with these metal parts that you can rearrange That's in cool. order to yeah, is cool. make the ball go in different places. Yeah. And oh, so neat. it's, right. um, yeah. So that really is sort of the spiritual uh, grandfather Ancestor, yeah, yeah. Uh, to pinball. And so jumping ahead then, so we're 18th century going into the 19th century, mm-hmm. we have uh, our first sort of name that we can talk about, uh, and that is Montague Redgrave. Uh, Montague oh, Redgrave. I, I love that. That's a good <laughs> Montague, name. Montague, Montague Redgrave. <laughs> Sounds like... I can, I can hear the accent already. <laughs> Sounds like an antagonistic lover in a Jane Eyre novel. Yeah. I yes. like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does, doesn't like, he? Sounds like the rival to him, Heathcliff. You can hear him saying something like, Good day, sir! <laughs> uh, I had to. Yeah. I had to. I hadn't gotten it out yet. I to. <laughs> is, is that like free happening? the pun. That's, that's <laughs> my response. He makes. Ah, Anytime go. I offer a pun, he either bids me a good day or he uh, threatens a duel. There you go. So, it's, yeah. yeah, well, that would be appropriate for the era. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so uh, British inventor Montague Redgrave, mm-hmm. he is the one sort of credited with the spring plunger, which he patented in the United States. Okay. He was in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time. Um, and I so remember that. Coil- yeah. I do remember <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to hear the story about how a guy named Montague Redgrave wound up in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> I, I, like, I, yeah, I, that, that's, that's, that sounds my, my like... My guess would be train. <laughs> yes, yes. Immediately, if we're speaking on that level, <laughs> bloody peasants. Yes, yes. I, I I feel like you could probably make it. You know, if you go through the Great Lakes somehow, right? Aren't they? Yeah, all connected well, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, yeah, yeah, my boat, Erie Canal. Yeah. That's yeah, late yeah. enough that the canal yeah. is built. What year was this again? 1871. 1871. Wow. So post Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just contextualizing this now. So. Post-Civil War, carnivals are starting to spread. Pro wrestling is yeah. is hitting the rails as well. The, uh, it's, the it's going out. The Continental Railroad is, is five years from being five, done. Five years away. 
so rail travel in and in that part of the country, rail plenty travel of rail. was everywhere. It was oh yeah, saturated. Um, the culture has shifted away from sectionalism, and yet Cincinnati, Ohio, is close enough to the borders that you're going to have a lot of commerce going through there and a lot of immigrants going through there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, for for new labor, and there's a lot more factories cropping up. Well, yeah, uh, throughout throughout the whole period. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So in, industrialized mm-hmm. and a hub of interstate travel. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Okay. I, was, okay. I, I think I think the so the one of the main inventions being the coiled spring. So that made me think maybe like industrial, like something where mm-hmm. you could produce Prob- that. Probably. Yeah. So well, so he was he was in Cincinnati because Cincinnati was likely where he could get parts yeah or, yeah or that's materials. a good point yeah or have access so, to them and i'm wondering if gun manufacturing was big in that area too because you've got springs, springs and, yeah. yeah springs springs would be a big deal so and and just the machining that would be involved mm-hmm. to mass produce yeah any kind of any kind of manufacturing typewriters are starting to get big baseball is very close to yeah taking off yeah because you have the cincinnati red stocking starting within a yeah, few years of within, that yeah so okay yeah. So so then um, that is really will bring us finally to the 20th century. So there's not much happening in the world of pinball, or there might be things, but not not too. It's significant basically spring yet. plunge, yes. and then do you even have paddles, or is it still plinkoing? Right. So it is still in the sort of bagatelle phase of okay. just sending the ball up and allowing it to just carom wherever. Are you it should trying go. to move it and maneuver it so at that point? Probably or? not at this point okay. yet, um, because what a boring fucking world. I'm sorry. Just like <laughs> hey, look at it go. You want to see it go again? Yeah, I think it'll go left or right this time. Like it just, yeah. Like yeah. like I I want to spend time in my backyard looking at clouds, but also that sounds like a really dull pastime. Too, you know? Like you know if if you're if you're in a particularly meditative kind of mood, right? Like there could be a certain amount of, of value that could be taken out of. But that. you got to go to a place to do this, which what? means there's people around watching you watching do this. you do it for entertainment, like right. as a spectator oh. thing. Yeah. This guy always gets it going to the, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah. No, he he manages he manages to make it land in the third box it's, from the right like all the time. Oh, you do. You probably would get betting though. Yeah, based well, on that. So, and, so there and gambling. Yes, there is a natural link that springs mm-hmm. up between uh, pinball machines and gambling, which we will talk about more right, as, right. as we move yeah. along. Yeah. Uh, but really, yeah. So uh, pinball, you know. Or at least this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it still stays relatively small until you get into the ni- or to the twentieth century, uh-huh. and really into the nineteen thirties, and that's where there is this explosion right. of pinball on the scene that really um, finally it is kind of comes into the game. It is so uh, at this point, pinball is still, or at least this game is still tabletop. Okay. Uh, so it's basically like an additional box that you would okay. put on a table, uh, and then that would sort of play the game. You, sure. If you had a, a drugstore, maybe you just have a table where you set a couple of these next to each other. Uh, it wasn't an independent sort of machine on its own. Okay. Uh, not, or, not a freestanding. Right, right. right. Okay. So that's the, the 30s is where it, where it starts to turn into what we know and love as pinball today. Uh, now, yeah. in the 30s, you've got, um, I mean... A, shit ton less money for most people but you do have people walking around with change in their pockets all the way up to that point yeah you also have people looking at those little viewfinders like you you put a dime in or a nickel in and you get to see the dance of the seven veils a nickelodeon uh you get those viewfinders which were very much connected to um vice 
Yes. Um, and so anything, and, and the connection uh, that I'm making here is essentially anything you put like a, a small bit of currency in that's a machine gets attracted to the vice world pretty quickly by the straight society yeah. uh, type folk. Yeah, the perception. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, would, would lean that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so this was, uh, so 1931 is when we finally get uh, sort of the the first real pinball machines on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one is called Bingo. So again, going toward the sort of gambling element, there, this was a game yeah. where the ball would travel uh, and would hit certain targets or fall in certain uh, areas, and then that would correspond to a bingo card up top. So, And you would oh. actually have the ability to sort of cash out. So if you got five in a row uh, within the game, there's mm-hmm. actually a, a mechanism by which you could get credits and turn them in at the front and get money okay. for that. So, so it, was, was, it was it was almost a form of uh, like roulette or... Um, I was yeah. saying the slot machine. Slot machine. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's, okay. there's there was this link. I mean, especially... Uh, and uh, this sort of, as we move through the 30s, they become more of a fixture in taverns. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think this is the same place where you're finding Slot Machine, one Arm Bandit. You've, you're finding any other sort of these these machines. And as alcohol is coming back, right? Um, yeah, you know, America could use a good drink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in 1933. Uh, and Lord then, knows. <laughs> yeah. So, so the uh, so 1931 also had the first um, or a game called Ballyhoo, which was based on apparently a very popular magazine at the time mm-hmm. uh, by the same name. But it is the uh, basically the initial game for what later became Bally Amusements, uh, which is which is like the titan. Yeah. In, in this whole industry. Yes. Yes. Okay. There's there's a, a great you see many, that logo go on the back of just about i mean every, every oh, almost yeah. every almost every pinball game yes. i can ever remember seeing oh, wow. yeah you can actually still see it also um we well, i had this as a note to talk about later but you still see it in las vegas um the bally name because it's still used on gambling machines mm. uh, so oh. slot machines that will still be made under the bally brand uh and also i think i think reno was actually the last time i remember seeing that bally. logo yeah was, yeah yeah okay um, huh. but, but yeah, so, the, so that's the start. The, uh, Raymond Maloney was the name of the, uh, the, the person in, in charge of the Ballyhoo game. Uh, and so that was a mechanical uh, pinball machine that had optional legs. So it could be a freestanding machine. Uh, and this was really where uh, mechanical pinball mm-hmm. became uh, a much more sort of common sight around these places. And so the, the reason I'm saying mechanical is that previously the Bagatelle game, you're sending the ball and it's falling into maybe a certain hole or mm-hmm. and that's it there's no other mechanism within the machine it's just what you see is what you get you're allowing gravity to take its course right right so these and these are fantastic if you ever get a chance um, to go to the Pacific Pinball Museum you can see examples and they actually have some that you can occasionally play they are um, what you would call mechanical pinball machines essentially games where uh, you send the ball mm-hmm. and the ball the weight of the ball is sufficient to actually turn certain items when it rolls over them uh, and then that okay. will then trigger other things in the game so like for example there's one that's a baseball one which I thought was just the most I wish I could have it because sure. it's just so super fun send the ball around and then the ball goes into a sort of bagatelle and then it drops into a strike or a ball or an out or a single. And oh. the game, based on where the ball goes, would turn certain gears and then log your progress in, wow. in the baseball game. It was fascinating. And, like, and just the fact that they could make that, right. I didn't even realize that that was possible. Uh, it was so cool. And yeah, but that's the kind of mechanical game that starts to become a little bit more common. So you have other games where 
the ball would roll over like a puzzle piece and the puzzle mm-hmm. piece would turn over and then your goal is trying to complete the puzzle. Um, and so these are games where wow. really the nudging becomes more pr- involved. So you're actually trying to influence the, di- the Did, direction of the ball sure. to make something happen in the game uh, now that it's sort of freestanding and, uh-huh. and doing its own thing. Now, so you've got the mechanical aspects. You have Do, do you have the paddles yet? No, still still no paddles. So it's just, it's it's it's... The Plinko version, but now you're trying to guide it and move it. Yes. And do you have it where if you tilt it too far, it stops? Or is that not yet? So that is 1934. Okay. Is when the first tilt mechanism is installed. And now do you think this is... Because what I'm hearing here is that you essentially have a gambling device um, that involves some level of manipulation way more than you can have with a one-armed bandit. Way more than you right. can have with a roulette wheel. Right. Those or a are deck of ab- cards. Yeah, those are absolutely chance. Magician. Yeah, those are absolutely chance. This is I can Im- impact the chance. Yes. By by how I do it. Right. So I can imagine people getting really angry and smashing these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that still happens. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing that. I remember reading this that uh, there would be games, and if I'm jumping ahead, I apologize. No but, problem. Uh, that you would. Um, if you couldn't get it, you uh, people would hit it underneath because they didn't want to get in trouble, so they'd hit it underneath. And some manufacturers started putting nails oh. underneath <laughs> to stop oh. it. <laughs> no, really? I think yeah. in many ways... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it coming. I'm, gonna, I'm turning a little green. <laughs> it's a good thing we laid out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, um, so I'm back. No, so, I, I, oh. I actually think that the sort of development, you'll see these sort of like, you know, they make it one way, mm-hmm. people start using it in a certain way, so then they respond to that, right. and then the design changes. It's like an arms run. I was going to yeah, say, bit, yeah. it reminds yeah. me of like arrows. Oh, quilted doesn't work, now we have to use plate, you know, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, and then yeah. guns. Oh, quilted would have worked better. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, make sure to wear a silk shirt. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but... So what what gets me about this is thinking about, you know, the ball rolling over a mechanism and and having an impact on the rest of the table. The workings of this must be incredibly intricate. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of the push rods and the and the springs and the. I mean, I I can't even. I'm I'm not enough of a mechanical engineer at heart to really be able to to conceive of what that would look like. I just imagine it must be really complicated yeah and i think i think it was on the level of like like watchmaking you know just like the the fineness of certain of the mechanisms in there because it's a very Uh small like it's not a large device like it actually is pretty small and so um yeah like i think it was these just very finely made uh machine made uh, so yeah so for so and and kind of part of what i'm getting at and i apologize for kind of stepping over there but uh is in order for the pinball table as we know it today to become a thing, the rest of the tooling technology mm-hmm. had to become advanced enough to oh. get the kind of precision mechanical parts necessary to to build something that intricate yeah. on a on on an industrial scale. Because you talk about watchmaking mm-hmm. and for, you know, a very long time, generations, that was all hand done. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, one piece at a time, which was why, you know, a pocket watch was a gentleman's instrument. Right. Whereas this is popular entertainment for the masses, you know, drop in a nickel and and you're playing the game. You'd need to have this produced on a certain kind of scale. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, do do you know? Do, do we have do we have figures of like for these early early games? How many units were they producing? So I know that as we get into like the late thirties, and there was certain games that were very popular, and they they would put out like fifty thousand. Like there oh, there wow. there oh, were wow. like certain you know very widely produced machines. Were there kits where you could you know it's essentially the 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 top end the top of the table is like oh this is a puzzle this is a baseball this is a this this is a this but the bottom the the gears and such is like oh this is kit number one two three or four. Oh, I don't know about if if they no. they had that ability to sort of mix and match. Right. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised sure. if, if they were able to, yeah, make sort of an undercarriage. Right. That was uh, then you could just kind of reskin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Also, I was thinking, you know, to what you were talking about, they did have ad- adding machines and cash registers. Uh, that that's true. Were already fairly complex machines. Yeah. I mean, you you have IBM. Really getting moving uh, as far as its mechanical components in time for the Holocaust. So true. You know you have like By the very way, complex way to, machines. Way to, way to bring us back. Around, <laughs> Sorry, around to, but it's the 30s. The like, darkest. Yeah, yeah. I would point I know, out. I know. Yeah, I know. But you know, there have been we've, at the we've same made time. jokes. We've made jokes in previous episodes about oh, and here we are getting into the darkest you know yeah. chapters of, of modern history <laughs> in the middle of talking. But about, this is you know, what's happening at that time. Yeah, no, I, I, know, I, know, like, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. And and also baseball. And yes. also, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think of what else is going on. Uh, they're figuring out a way to uh, make airplane engines yeah. such that they're not just big kites anymore. You know, where they, they figured out how to treat um, aluminum. They, yeah. They're creating the well, Hoover Dam. Well, by the 30s, as, as, you as know. a sort of partial aviation nerd by osmosis, mm-hmm. uh, by the 30s, you're seeing... Uh, monobody construction and aircraft. Right. The, the engine, the engine part had been figured out a yeah, while back yeah. before. But yeah, it, what what you are not seeing yet in uh, aviation, look as you did, is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's ashamed. He is so <laughs> Sorry. What you don't see yes. yet in aviation is uh, like we're talking about, you know, mass production of, of these things. Right. Aviation engines. The the aircraft companies actually resisted mm-hmm. when World War II started. The American aircraft manufacturing industry mm-hmm. had to be forced by Congress yes. to standardize their tooling and and mm-hmm. and work on mass production of aircraft engines, a la Henry Ford, because mm-hmm. previously Allison didn't proprietary wanna, yeah it, it was yeah. all proprietary and Allison didn't want to talk to Rolls Royce didn't want to talk to anybody else wow. yeah. And and so that was that was a deal, but uh, okay. So yeah, so so standardized parts. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you're right. And radio but, is yeah, is becoming coming a in. thing. Yeah, so, and television signals are just now. Like just I'm just starting contextualizing yeah. what's happening yeah. as pinball is a purely mechanical thing, and yet we have so much electrical that's starting to get going. The, the very beginning. Well, the very beginnings of the so, theory are, are starting to be. Put into practice realistic production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is when uh, the the British really first started experimenting with radar, right? Which wound up being their secret weapon in another yeah. eight years. I've got a fun story about that on some other podcast. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> but yeah, so, so it just it, it's astounding to me that here we have a purely mechanical recreation device. Yes, that at the same time. I mean, you said 31 was the first one that was made, right? Yes. 27 is when they figured out there wasn't ether in the air. 
<laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, so the Flagistan <laughs> was destroyed. Right. In, in just like yeah. holy cow. Yeah. Like talkies. Yeah. Were two years old earlier. Yeah. yeah. I it just like just it's it's astounding to me. Uh, Thirty one uh, women in Britain, all across, were able to vote finally. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of change happening, and this is a very mechanical, which analog, analog, strictly analog, strikes smacks to me of 18th century, in so many ways. In in a know? lot of ways, but I I think uh, I'm sorry, I'm, 19th century. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I'm I'm gonna bet, mm-hmm. and this is just a guess on my part. I'm gonna bet that uh, electrification of all of this mechanical stuff happened very rapidly from here. Well, I was, I was about to follow up with that to there say, yeah, the, 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 this. Uh, era of the purely mechanical mm-hmm. it was a fairly short one, mm-hmm. given that uh, we moved to 1935, and or actually even before that, 1934 mm-hmm. is when games started using electrical outlets to okay. to po- put into place certain electromechanical uh, portions of the game, and and so uh, EM is often what those are referred to, okay. electromechanical games. Okay. That's like basically yeah, everything from this uh, like mid mid 30s. All the way through the 60s mm-hmm. and into the 70s, uh, before computers are then put into the machine, that's called a solid state because you didn't have any moving parts that mm-hmm. were determining like the scoring and and all of those oh, other wow. functions oh. of the game. Um, so oh, so so yeah. So during that period of time, the scoring was all analog click, click, clickers. Clicks. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you go to the museum, oh, okay. you'll see all, all right, these yeah, great okay. games that have the score reels. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it, this is so really yeah, pr- uh, only about two like years. Like an odometer of fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, that's actually the value of what your nickel that you put into the game. Oh, so, oh yeah. my god! Yeah, I like that. <laughs> How much is your nickel lot. worth? Yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, but yeah, so so as we're getting into the middle of the '30s, we have electricity finally making it into the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the tilt mechanism. That's a response to I think people being aggressive with mm-hmm. how they're playing the games, uh, and then we have the. What is that mechanism, by the way? Is it what? just a mercury bubble and? Oh no! So, a so on the I saw MacGyver episode. <laughs> so on older games, uh-huh. uh, and I'm sure that if somebody is a pinball expert yeah. knows exactly how it works. I'm probably butchering it a little bit. But they did have basically a uh, small bowl uh-huh. that had a, a rod in the middle and a ball that would just sort of careen around as oh. the game moved. And I think the basically the mechanism was if that if the force of the ball was ever too much, which it didn't need to be too much um, for the rod, but it was based on, you know, you, you moving the entire table. Sure. Um, then it would just, uh, you know, trigger something that would, I think, release all of the gears Close under down. so that nothing would respond anymore until mm-hmm. the ball made it back to the trough. And then that would sort of reset everything oh, okay. under carriage. Okay, cool. Uh, and of course, you just need to put a new coin in in order to reset it. Um, and Ouch. so, so ba- but on well, the, the punishment for cheating is, is you, gotta, you lose your money. You lose yeah. Your money. And so the um, modern pinball machines, and this is probably once you get to, I don't think you have to go too far into like maybe the forties before the tilt bob mm-hmm. becomes the primary mechanism. And so that is basically what's used today even. Uh, so that is a, a sort of like a pendulum, mm-hmm. uh, has a kind of conical shape, hangs on a piece of metal, and it hit, it sits within a metal ring. And so every time you move the machine, that mm-hmm. uh, pendulum essentially touches the edge of the ring. Mm-hmm. If it touches the edge, it makes contact, and the game sort of logs how many times it's touched. Right. If you touch it a certain number of times, then the game knows to just turn off. Right. Uh, and that's when you get your oh, tilt. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's, and that is, uh, 
certainly in like modern pinball playing, that's you know figuring out the best way to move the machine with the tilt bob in order right. to avoid the dangers. Um, or that's what they call them. Like you get a danger before it, t- it, it tilts. It warns you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had actually, just a quick aside, uh, I played in a tournament this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played an older game called Jet Spin. It was made by Gottlieb. I think it's like 1962. Okay. Um, very fun game. Uh, I These games are older. They tend to tilt very easily if you move it too much. I put a giant move, and it was kind of a frustration move, where I just moved it probably like four inches, you know, like, I, like hold it. But apparently I did it perfectly and did not tilt, save the ball, and played for like another 30 seconds, racking up the score, and everybody looked at me like, what, how in the world did you just do that? Because you're a pinball wizard. Because you're a pinball wizard. And it, yeah. it, well, it was funny then, because immediately after a friend of mine was playing, he gave it not even half the move I did and tilts immediately. <laughs> and so I just moved it perfectly. You gotta know the dance. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Karma. Oh, wow. yeah. Karma. It's all about karma. It, it was it That's was really funny. quite satisfying. I, I can believe it. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah. um, as we're moving, we're we're getting the tilt mechanism. We got uh, Baffle Ball, which was uh, 1935. That was a machine that they made 50,000. Um, and so then Pinball finally makes its debut as a term for this game in 1936. So, okay. so now we're mid-30s. Um, we're starting to get more interesting mechanisms within the machine. The first one being in 1937, the bumpers. So these okay. are uh, whenever the ball makes contact with this sort of circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a... It basically makes it completes the circuit and a solenoid that is below will pull the okay. ring down and shoot the ball off Fling to the, the side. Ball out. Yeah, so gotcha. that so at this point you're still seeing games that are bagatelle style, mm-hmm. but they're now integrating the bumper. So mm-hmm. you're pushing the machine, the ball is bumping uh, from the electric, you know, pulse of, of the the metal in there and then and you're still kind of in this same paradigm. Uh, and then this is when finally I think a lot of the jurisdictions start mm-hmm. to take note of the link uh, between this and gambling. And right. so basically 1939 is when the hammer comes down in two very significant places, New York and Los Angeles. So that is where LaGuardia in New York bans yep. pinball. Uh, Los Angeles follows suit, bans pinball. Um, and ri- the stated justification at the time uh, was that it was robbing children of their nickels and dimes uh, wow. as, as they were you know, trying to... You know, say someone think yeah. of the children. Well, yeah, won't someone think of the children? So this this was thirty nine. Thirty nine. Two years after the Golden Gate Bridge, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and okay, so I'm trying to think because our our very first episode that oh, we yeah. did was on the Comics Code Authority. Oh yeah. And that was a, a decade and several years later, but. I think this it's is probably where we're, this yeah. is where we're starting to see the very beginnings of yeah. the worry amongst adults about you know juvenile delinquency mm, right. and you know our kids are all crazy wild animals we don't know what to do with them very know. music man very, very <laughs> uh, you know as a matter of fact you know. Uh, with a capital T and it rhymes with P and it stands for pinball, uh, would would certainly I think work here. Wow, nicely done. Uh, well, you know. But you're right. It's it's a uh, yeah. You're you're less than a decade away from those hearings, those first hearings, and that psychologist very very early making his bones with, in the forties. Oh, oh, I'm forgetting. Kerfauver, Kefauver, Kefauver, Kefauver. Yeah. yeah, that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, okay. So just that that gremlin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so really, that I think this starts this sort of cascade of bands that start going nationwide. So there's you know every town wow. or city is starting to really look at this and decide whether they want to ban the game uh, entirely. And actually, it, it usually is. Uh, that history actually provides modern history in that almost every year, at some point in the year, there is some very small hamlet in Ohio or, you know, often like West Virginia that apparently still has a pinball ban on the books and then they finally repeal it and it's wow. like a local bar can finally ah. have. It's like, you'll, if you look, there's like one every year. Really? Like the past 10 years. Like there's always wow. one city. Yeah. It's like an old holdout. Um, so, yeah, so th- that was a really, you know, uh, significant change, I think, sure. for. For the the game, you know, and and amusement makers had to sort of respond, and and I think there were still pockets of places, you know, I'm sure like Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. really had a problem with it, but it it definitely. I don't I think, think they have a problem with anything. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's a defining characteristic. Yeah, well, that is where the Pinball Hall of Fame is. So. <laughs> oh wow. I think I think there's, that's not a coincidence no. that the, the no, link I, is I, there. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so that that really you know changes the game a bit, um, and so but this is where the move away from random and towards skill really starts to take shape with the manufacturers, and so at this point you have Gottlieb, which mm-hmm. is one of the big names in old pinball. Uh, Williams is around, of course you have Bally, um, and finally in 1947, so almost 10 years later, we finally get. The flipper. Wow. The, the paddles you mentioned earlier. Right. Um, yeah, the first game is called Humpty Dumpty. Uh, <laughs> and it is a game where there are flippers on the game. And it's uh-huh. not in the, not the way you think about it at That's, the bottom. So it's not at the bottom. Right. Okay. There, there's actually six flippers and they're all sort of distributed throughout the play field. Uh, and they all okay. flip sort of simultaneously. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So, so it's, but it is the first time that you can actually really impact the Manipulate. ball in a really yeah. big way. Um, you know, it's not just as it's careening down, you can actually send the ball back up. Now, does that legitimize it uh, in the eyes of the law? Well, not immediately. Okay. So certainly, it, I think it's the first step. Okay. Um, and I think and we will see the, the pivotal moment come about the, oh, okay. 30 years later. Uh, but it, 30 it is, years later? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> it really so, took that long? Until I was born. Yeah. So you were like in high school. But... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so wait, I just want to back up for a second because yeah. I'm thinking about um, like uh, fantasy league sports, like DraftKings and that kind of stuff. Sure. They're not sponsoring us, but <laughs> if they want to, we can talk. Uh, but I remember specifically like fantasy sports gambling. They started making the case that they were a game of skill, not a game of luck, and that's how they were able to get around certain gambling regulations. Yeah, there there are certain statutes, and this apes to... that. Or, or this is like the prototype. Right, yeah. Right. It's, it's the same. It, yeah, it's the same mechanism. Wow, the same mechanism at work. Yeah. So 30, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, 30 years later. That's like <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover's dead by that <laughs> point. Yeah. <laughs> is he though, really? Well, yeah, true. I but, mean, is J. Edgar Hoover dead now? That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically yes. he's not dead now yeah. because he's a lich. Uh-huh. <laughs> Drawing back, drawing to a future out. episode. Hiding out. <laughs> so. well, you know, have you ever noticed that you know Jeff Sessions is never seen without that flag pen? I'm just saying. There I you think, go. Phylactery. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I believe it. That's uh, my brother's uh, crazy uncle. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, you've made that joke before. But, yes. But if, if, if he hears that, he's either going to laugh uproariously or show up at your door. Oh, no. <laughs> well, hopefully he's going to do that anyway. But, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, no. He, I, I, mean, that's I, a, mean, I mean with a shovel. I cribbed yeah. that from him. That's his oh, joke. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Then, yeah. So. Uh, okay, so yeah, slippers. Sorry. So yeah, so six slippers. Slippers are introduced, yeah. so that that's adding to the game. Uh, uh, another big change. So even though there were certain um, electrical portions, I think lighting wasn't as uh, serious in the earlier sort of electrical iterations of pinball. So in sure. the '50s, you start to see more sort of bright pinball machines. Okay, where they're installing a lot of lights, and in, in particular, installing them on the back glass. Um, where so typically on the sort of the older machines, you mm-hmm. would have whatever the score was actually logged near the sort of where the flippers would be. So right okay. by the player. Okay. Uh, there wouldn't be... And, and oftentimes there was no back glass. The way you think of the back box on a pinball machine, right. that would actually not be there because there was no there was nothing, nothing to, to display. Do. Yeah, it was just the yeah. back of tailgate. So uh, finally, there's a back uh, box which contains some of the electronics and it actually had a bunch of lights which would be used to indicate score. And so the, when you would start hitting the different targets and whatnot, you would actually have those lights progressing uh so if you go to the museum you can see these games where yeah it'll start out at zero you hit a thing and it goes to ten thousand. you hit another one it goes to twenty thousand. and then once it gets to 100 it actually stays at 100 and then the 10 20 right. starts to and so you actually kind of have to do a little math to actually figure out what your score is <laughs> nice. at the uh, see it's education yeah right. there you go uh, not only, not only is it a game of skill it's educational <laughs> and so yeah and so and then finally when you get to, uh, so that's the, the 50s, you really start to see the inward-facing flippers start to become more common. Uh, and also the ones at the bottom. that sit at the bottom. Okay. Right, so so basically a game where the once the ball gets to the bottom, you're having a chance to save it before it goes into the trough. Okay. Um, and so Just 21 was the first one that had inward-facing flippers, although that one, they, they were a pretty significant gap between them. So it was even though they were at the bottom and they kind of looked like the flippers we have, uh-huh. they were still it was still a pretty wide area to lose your ball. Right. Um, when you get to Spot Bowler, which is a Gottlieb game, uh, or actually I might have that wrong, it might be a Williams game, that was the first one where it was really the true sort of pinball you think about. So okay. two flippers closer together at the bottom. Maybe a hand's keep... breadth between them and that's about it. Right, right. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that that uh, it takes the 50s going into the 60s. And finally, we get a, a couple more innovations that become you know standards for pinball even to today. Okay. Uh, and two in particular, uh, one is the drop target. Which is a mechanism where uh, I, I imagine you might you might recognize it if you saw it, but basically you hit a target, it will go down. So it's like it's sort of it's a like a little up. tile or mahjong exactly. tile that goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, so you hit it and then it pushes inward and falls down into the game. That's and then, how it works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then when you go to a new ball, there's a mechan- there's a, another solenoid coil that will activate and then reset it by pushing it back up. Okay. Um, and so it kind of ratchets back into position. So that was uh, a inventor by the name of Steve Kordek, and so he did two things: uh, drop target that was huge in 1962, and then 1963 he introduced multi ball. Which is a mainstay oh. of pinball now, and, and usually the most valuable scoring mode in any pinball machine. Because so, you're just increasing your each. Well, you're rolling with advantage. Yeah, well, yeah. Cer- cer- yeah. certainly that, but also, the, yeah, mm-hmm. and the, also that's usually the only time you can qualify certain scoring, uh, usually oh. called a jackpot. Okay. And so the jackpot is usually the most valuable right. item you can collect while you're playing, and you can only collect it while you're in the multi-ball mode. Um, so this really adds a whole new layer, I think, of the 
to the skill element of adding this sort of new mode that you have to play within so, that you have to handle. So the year that this was is 63? Yes, 1963. Okay. So um, leaving aside the obvious stuff that was happening in 62 and 63, uh, you said before that it was, um, you know, very uh, electromechanical. Yeah. Right? Um, we're still not computerized yet, right? Correct. So how does electrical mechanical inform the mechanism in some way that like I can see in a computer it's like you go into that mode okay cool right how do you go into that mode that activates the jackpot in an electromechanical way well so those I, I was sort of speaking more for those ones a mm -hmm. little bit like what comes later so oh, yeah okay. I think in these ones you had these mechanisms where you would basically uh, like a little saucer somewhere in the game where you would be okay. able to sit the ball the ball would sit there, and then once you once you touched another target, it would spit it back out. So then you'd have two balls going at the same time. Okay. Uh, and so and yeah, so in these ones, it actually was not as sophisticated in right. terms of the the scoring. So really, it was just rolling with advantage. Okay. Uh, so that those were games where you yeah you had an advantage because you had more balls, but sure. not necessarily the scoring. Yeah, that would come later with okay. the advent of the solid state game, where then you could sort of set a computer to tell this target to suddenly become more valuable right. than previous ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To actually alter the scoring algorithm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is utilizing. And and when we get to solid state, I'm assuming is when we start seeing like projected L C D scoring Yes. Kind of, kind of display, electronic scoring. It's exactly. funny, the way that the scoring thing, it just it reminds me, um, it recalls for me like uh, different um, alarm clocks that I've seen in my life. Yeah. You know, like the flipper one. Okay, yeah. that was yeah. grandpa's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the red letter or the red numbers, the yeah. whatever. Red, the red sort of liquid crystal. It can, but yeah, yeah, it can be an eight, yeah. it can be a seven or whatever. Yeah. That's my mom's, you know, and then, yeah. you know, on and on. And now it's, you know, different displays. I was like, oh, okay, that's on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly right. So, so anyway, the, this is kind of uh, going along. I think the and the first one that does any digital scoring is mm -hmm. 1966. So starting to move oh, okay. into that direction. I don't think it quite was uh, as sophisticated as what you'd see later. By the but, way, at this point, transistors are a thing that exists, but mm -hmm. nobody knows how they work. Tony Stark uses them to plug his uh, armor into the <laughs> wall. Uh, Very so, good. Uh, yeah. the, the Fantastic Four has gone to the moon using them. Uh, the X Men have used them to create Cerebro. Uh, you know, you've got you've got all these because, comics because they are they are this this magical micronization mm -hmm. uh, uh, mechanism. Yeah. to engage in a little bit of but you can use the Stanley alliteration. Yeah, there. but you can use the electrical wizardry of it. Like that's that's yeah. the thing. It becomes the catch all, and the, so the it's orgone. Yeah. As it were. Of yeah. It. yeah. You're still sliding little cards, by the way, into Cerebro to let you know which per which bad guy is coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it is also this electricity, and that's all the explanation you need. And so it's interesting yeah. to see that that's worked its way into pinball already. Yes. I, it should also be noted that at this point, um, a lot of computers were still operating with vacuum tubes. Early yes. generation computers were still vacuum tube. And uh, the Soviets were still trying to figure out mm -hmm. how to build computer electronics uh, using something other than vacuum, vacuum tubes, tubes. Because we later found out in the very early 80s 
that the electronics in their in their fighter jets were still in the early 80s using <laughs> vacuum tubes. So to the USSR, transistors were, as a matter of fact, these magical yeah. devices that they hadn't yet figured out how to manufacture for themselves. <laughs> so th- this was really big. I mean, on, yeah. on a certain level, the, the introduction of transistors was still this really big leap. Yeah. You know, even though nowadays we're multiple generations removed from it, we, we kind of look at, you know, a transistor radio yeah. sounds like, you know, this, this very you know, quaint, Z quaint. Z yeah. yeah. So it's like this quaint Z rusty joke from, you know, long ago. Uh, thank you, TV trips for Z rust, <laughs> by the way. But, um, you know, but, but two folks in the 60s, mm-hmm. that was a, a quantum leap in terms of taking a device that had been the size of the table we're all sitting around mm-hmm. and shrinking it to something smaller than the footprint of the book that we've got sitting on the table. It, right. was, it was a dramatic reduction. And so the, 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 did, did the level of sophistication in the games leap like at the same kind of rate as that i think it took a little more time i I think i mean i think once digital scoring so that's 66 i don't think you really see maybe the full potential uh probably until you know close to 10 years later when when games i think start to become especially as you get into the 80s is when the games i think really become sophisticated with how they're you know handling balls and handling the sort of like undercarriage and there's there's sort of subterranean portions of the game sorry yeah sorry we're both 12 i'm sorry well see here's the deal i have an excuse i i actually teach 12 years so and i was i was handling my undercarriage just so Works. Oh man, oh, that. yeah. 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 That's, it's, that's it's, a problem. Yeah. yeah. So, so you say, it, and in the '80s, and we'll, when in the next episode uh, <laughs> next week, because we're we're, we're coming at, to we're an end here. Yeah. Um, but in the the next episode uh, in the '80s, pinball is competing with TV graphics. Yeah. So it's got to find a way to stay more than just a dust cover. You know, yeah. So yeah. okay, so it's 1966. Women have access to the pill. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they they can get it anywhere. Yeah, uh, they still need their husband's permission. Um, <laughs> but uh, they still at least 15, 20 years out from getting their own credit cards. But pinball has digital scoring. Yes. Yeah. And, and so thank God. <laughs> yeah. So this is and then this actually might be this might be the the, the perfect way to end. Although it's it is it mm-hmm. is the exciting climax in the I pinball like story. Uh, or I guess one of the denouement. Uh, and so in 1974, mm-hmm. we have our first overturning of a ban. Uh, so California Supreme Court actually overturned the Los Angeles ban, mm-hmm. uh, citing basically two lines of reasoning. Uh, one being that uh, if pinball machines were truly a game of chance, then the law would be preempted by state law, which dealt with games of chance. Oh, wow. So that was like the sort of legal basis. And... Okay. If, uh, if they weren't a game of chance, if it was a game of skill, uh, then the ordinance was unconstitutional on its face uh, as a denial of equal protection under the laws. And so that was a, a, the first, I think, real... I mean, California now becoming a sanctuary for pinball became the sort of first of the domino effect that would follow later. And, that, and it was 70 what? 74. 74. So what, what had pinball been doing? In the meantime. So I think at this point... And where? Yeah, so... That's kind of what I meant. Right, so so I think at this point, there isn't necessarily always enforcement 
of okay. local okay. ordinances that maybe banned it. I think it was, and and there's also you'll see this sometimes on older machines. There were some places where it was permitted, but it was sort of limited in certain ways. And so there, and, and I forgot to mention, there's games that come out. Uh, one of the issues, and this is actually something that still happens with Pachinko in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sort of play, and if you collect more credits, you can c- cash them out and win money. Right. Uh, this was a pinball thing. You could actually, if, mm. you, if you got like 10 credits on the pinball machine by playing well, uh, you could go up to the front and they'll pay you whatever, 10 nickels, if, mm. if that was it. Um, eventually, there became this, uh, to get around bands that were worried about people doing this as a gambling thing, they switched it to add a ball game. So basically, you would play the game, and rather um, than getting a new credit, you would just get an extra ball to continue playing for fun. Okay. Um, which is, okay, which is now kind of a staple feature. If you yes, get over right. a certain score, you get an extra Exactly. Ball. Uh, and so the, and then also you start seeing the uh, the classic for amusement only being slapped on the front, which is actually right. still the case. If you buy a brand new pinball machine, it still says for amusement only, uh, right there on the on the apron. It's like it. buying stuff and it says not for resale. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, that's that. Not for I individual had, sale. You know, I hadn't ever thought of that. Right, right. right. But, but it was so baked in. Begging, that's kind of begging the question. Like, well, what the fuck else? Am I I have to use this for amusement. I was planning on using this as the basis of a thesis in, you know, political economy. I was thinking you could use you know. it to start a new religion. Well, you know, you know, if you if you know how to do that, right? You have to be some kind of a wizard, though, right? And in California, there's plenty of ways to start a new religion. <laughs> Lord knows. So and so and then the real big one, mm-hmm. 1976. So. Okay. Bicentennial, mm-hmm. great year for America in many ways. Oh, and the, sure. And the best way was that <laughs> we have our Lord and Savior, Roger Sharp. So Roger Sharp uh, was a noted pinball player at the mm-hmm. time, and he was called to actually testify uh, in front of the New York Jesus City Council. Christ. Uh, in a New York courtroom, he was brought forth by the Amusement and Music Operators Association uh, to basically testify that pinball was a game of skill, not a game of chance, and thus that the city council should, over, should repeal their ban. Right. Um, and so this was widely, and there's actually a great, if you ever want to watch a drunk history, this one is a great one. Okay. Uh, but it's all about the sort of shot heard around the world where Roger Sharp, in a very Babe Ruthian way, uh, walked up to a pinball machine mm-hmm. and said exactly, I will put the ball uh, in exactly this lane, uh, this area of the game, mm-hmm. on the plunge. And so he said that, everybody waited with bated breath, he plunged it, it went exactly where he said it was going to go, and almost instantaneously the city council voted to repeal the ban and it was in that it was, oh, it was truly like a magical is... moment in pinball history Wait, so so they set up a pinball yes game yeah, in they... the hearing yes and the, he said it's a game of skill and they said prove it basically mm-hmm. and he said okay and literally on the plunge which i'm sorry i've i've plunged right and it goes where it goes and i get ready with the flippers yeah and, but and, he on the plunge was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna put enough English on it that it's gonna go right here." You, you, yes, you don't have as many levels in wizard as he. Yeah. Apparently not. <laughs> Clearly, and he and wow. he is. Actually... I don't think anybody does. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> I legitimately think he was a telekinetic. Oh, yes. I don't know how the hell anybody could do that. He, or was he tilting? No, no, he it, it was uh, not a a matter of him pushing the machine at all. Okay. He just literally pulled it back. He knew, knew the exactly feel of that spring. He knew the distance he had to pull it. It was all by that time. It, it muscle memory. Hot diggity. Yeah. So that and that when New York finally overturned the ban, I think that was the t- a turning point 
where finally a lot of other municipalities would follow suit to say, okay, this really is a game of skill. And then you see, of course, then we'll, we'll talk in the next episode about the 80s, but right. it, it does bring on this sort of new era because this is almost the exact same time that the Solid State comes through in 1975 okay. with okay. a game called Spirit of 76. Uh, very appropriate. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that, I'll, I'll save it all for the next one. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> very cool. So now this is the part of the episode where we talk about what our, what our takeaway is. Oh, yeah. At this point. So I'm going to throw the question out. Sure. What, what, Damien? What, what is your, what's the biggest thing that's going to stick with you, or what's your, what's your takeaway from? To, this? to be honest, um, just the amount of things that are happening at the same time as pinball is developing, like how it's in, growing it's, up at the same time. As yeah, society at, in, some way. in so many odd ways that like don't mirror it at all. It's just mm-hmm. a separate thing, but it's also a thing that's in the background of every picture. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, and the other thing though was. It just shocked me that there was a hearing about pinball. And I'm thinking about how ridiculous I thought it was that George H.W. Bush went, and I'm dating the podcast, um, but how... uh, you're dating us. Yeah, that too. The podcast. (laughs) But uh, how George H.W. Bush went after steroids and baseball. Yeah. And how there were hearings where we called baseball players to come and talk about whether or not they were juicing. Like, I remember thinking, this is the silliest shit I've ever heard. I'm wrong. Apparently, <laughs> 30 years earlier, we had hearings. And grant you, it was in New York City. but So it was municipal. It's, it wasn't over, like, is boxing causing brain damage to the welfare of the United States? That I would get. It was... It isn't our wrestlers committing fraud <laughs> right. with, with which, what they're selling to the public. Which, okay, cool, there's money being exchanged. But this was, does the box with the ball and the flippers mean that you use skill or that you use luck? <laughs> and we're going to have legislators clear their calendar for that day to determine that crucial question. How do I get that job? <laughs> like, God, like what do I do to get that kind of a sinecure? Right. Because holy crap. I would love to like, I mean, basically like our podcast topics. Yeah. In hearings. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yes. So that's my takeaway. Well, in this case, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but that's my takeaway is how, how I was wrong about how goddamn ridiculous things have been. Well, I think I think one of the like things, the scale is incredibly big. Well, yeah. Well, I yeah. think over the course of the time we've been doing this podcast, I think we both should have learned that everything has been a lot more ridiculous than we thought. For <laughs> That's, a lot true. That's true. That's um, true. What's your takeaway? I I just find it remarkable that there has been this this whole I don't want to say subculture, but but this this whole uh, industry and this whole I get gaming culture. Mm-hmm. That has been so ubiquitous, but always in the background. Yeah, and and you know, like you talked about, it's in the background of every picture. You mm-hmm. know, there's so many movies where somebody walks past a, 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 yeah. either, either a pinball machine in in the bar, pinball machine in in you know, or they walk past an arcade full of pinball machines. Right. You know. Oh my and, God! Yeah, American Graffiti. Yeah, and and or oh, or The Crow. Yeah, as another <laughs> good example. Uh, but the the just the extent to which this has been this this background issue in our culture, like forever, and it's always it's kind of always been there. It's like suddenly realizing 
what the pattern is on the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 the room you're sitting in that you've been sitting in. It's for like hours. noticing that the snozberries are actually are actually snozberries. Yeah. yeah, you know, like oh well. Well, oh, those shit. are those are dicks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know? oh, wow. That's a revelation. You know, and 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 the the for amusement only. Yeah. Yeah. That one is gonna bake my noodle for a while <laughs> because the you know you always it's there it's mm-hmm. always there and and again like I said before it's like it kind of begs the question like what the fuck else would I use? This for? <laughs> it's a box. I, with ball bearings and a plunger and a lot of spring, like I can't use this for a tool. This is like <laughs> I can't use this to diagnose what's wrong with my car. Or there's I mean, a guy that like that. tries to sue yeah. the deli, and he's like, "I tried to cut meat on this thing," and the guy's like, ah, "I'm sorry, it said it for, for a meat only. Yeah. So you're, you're dying, right, pal. Right, I'm you're sorry. Dying. You know, rights away, case thrown out. You owe, uh, you owe him. You owe him court fees. Yeah. You know. Mm-mm. So I, I think, you know, there, there's just so much of it that's just so obvious mm-hmm. that you don't see. And of like, course it has a history. Yeah. Like, because everything does. Right. And, that, and that's the other lesson that we're we're gradually teaching each other with, mm-hmm. this, with this podcast. Is, yeah. No, no, no. Seriously. Everything <laughs> has a history. Yeah. So thank you for this. this yeah. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. Look, look forward to learning more about it in the next episode. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's the takeaway, and I've forgotten the rest of the format. I think. <laughs> and uh, so, this is Ed Laylock. I'm Damian Harmony. Uh, so you can catch us on Twitter. <laughs> that's at... right. <laughs> at Geek History, uh, at Geek History Time. Wow, I'm having and a stroke in front of us. Like, <laughs> that's what's like, happening. Okay, so I need so, you to hold, lift okay. both hands up <laughs> from your side. Touch my nose. Touch All right. Nose. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at, at Geek History. Uh, you can find me, Damien Harmony, at at Duh Harmony. D U H Harmony. Yeah. And you can find me at, at E H Blaylock uh, on Twitter. Uh, I can't think of what my other uh, social media accounts are right now to share. So I'm having the same stroke you are <laughs> to a slightly lesser degree. It's good. It's uh, good. But for now, uh, this is Ed Blaylock. I'm Damien Harmony. And uh, on behalf of A Geek History of Time, uh, keep getting those multi-balls. <laughs>